anybody in here ever known what it is for the Lord to turn a grave into a garden, into, into bones that can live again, into hope that had only known hopeless. It's the, it's the power of his resurrection. Can you say amen to that? It is the power of his resurrection. I, we say this a lot around here. He's not still on the cross. He's not still in the tomb. He is alive and in this room with us. Two or three have gathered together in his name. He said, there I will be in the midst of you. An interesting and an amazing thing is happening with some folks out in our streaming family scattered all over the place that we're finding out, hearing back from you, that some of you are having church in your homes, meaning you have the TV or you, you're playing it in your house, but you're inviting other folks to come and join you. Is that cool or what? Now, well, we may not be able to, you know, to come as freely into the, the places that we've been used to going on Sunday, but, but that just sounds a little New Testament to me, that they were breaking bread from house to house. Kind of sounds like Acts 2. If you're doing that and you're part of our Alamo City streaming family, you, your, your membership may be in another church and so forth, but you, you found it during this season that you're, you're connecting with us on Sunday morning or whenever during the week you watch it. If there is a group in your house or that you're watching this together with, somehow you're connected, would you let us know? Would, would you Facebook us and <laughs> however that works? You know, and let us know what you're doing. I'd, I'd like to know where you are and who you are, and maybe we can send just a video greeting back to your group and let, let you know we're praying for you. I, that, that thing about house churches, house churches, and breaking bread from house to house and receiving the teaching of the Lord. The, the, Lord, the Lord's up to something in these days. He, he's not been caught off guard. He, he's not wondering what's coming next. He is Lord, He is God, as my friend Randrew Draper often says, He is God all by Himself. He doesn't need anybody to help Him be the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be together this morning. We've got a good group in the house here, from 6500 IH35 North in San Antonio, Texas. And we greet you, those of you here and those of you out there, in the name that is above every name. Would you say that name with me this morning, the name Jesus? Let's say that one more time, the name Jesus. Jesus. If you can't come up with a prayer to pray when the wolves are circling around you, if you can't come up with any other word when you just need to know that heaven is listening, you speak that name. You speak his name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. I want you to get your copy of the scripture, if you would, please, and, and let's find our way this morning back to the spot that we started with last Sunday, the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, and we're going to read one verse to start with. And the point of this, the theme of this is... Give Jesus something to bless. Give Jesus something to bless. We're calling it the key to plenty. Plenty doesn't necessarily mean that your refrigerator is just overflowing with jugs of milk. And you've got more mayonnaise and ketchup and pickles than you could keep in that refrigerator. So it's just flow. Plenty means enough, enough, enough. I've got plenty. I don't necessarily need any more. The key to plenty, and we're coming back into this, this reality that um, it's a kingdom principle, it's a kingdom law, if you will, the law of the harvest. The law, will you say that back to me? The law of the harvest. Another way of expressing that is in the phrase, Give Jesus something to bless. 
give Jesus something to bless. Look at what he says. Jesus is speaking these words in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give, he says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. The law of the harvest. You plant a seed, something grows, something comes back. Give. Now, the, let me just take that word apart a little bit. It's a word in the New Testament that means not a wage paid, not necessarily or a duty or obligation met. It means freely giving. Out, out of your heart, out of the want to rising up within your heart, you choose to release, you choose to give. Jesus uses that, he puts that in the present tense, meaning give and keep giving and keep giving, and keep giving. A holy habit, a godly lifestyle, give and keep on giving. He puts it in the imperative mood. That's one of the ways of breaking apart verbs in the New Testament, meaning it, it's a command. It, it, he's saying, you do this as a follower of me, I'm giving you this instruction. I'm giving you this command. Give. Why, Lord? Why, Jesus? Why are we to give? Because the rest of the law of the harvest kicks in, and it shall be given unto you. Meaning that there are some things that will not be given until there is first a giving. Some things... Don't materialize from the invisible into the visible until and unless somebody gives something. Give and it shall be given unto you. Now, we, we also pointed out last week, we're going to touch on this, in, in, uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, that, that very familiar verse that we've been quoting a lot around here over the last couple of years. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, Paul writes. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is independence, but it also means generosity, generosity. That's another word you could insert in the place of freedom or alongside freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is generosity. It means that when the Spirit of Jesus fills somebody's heart, it becomes easy for them to give because it's the work of Jesus by His Spirit creating that inside us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son at the heart of the Father's heart, at the, far, at the heart of Jesus' heart. There, there, is, there is the capacity, there is, the, there is the, the automatic ability, the built-in drive to want to give, to give. Jesus came as a gift from the Father, not because the, the world deserved it, deserved Him to come, or would welcome Him when He came. But the Father gave the Son because He loved the world even though the world hadn't yet received the Son. It's that same kind of heart that, that Jesus speaks of here. What the Spirit of Jesus inside us will do will give us that kind of capacity to give, to want to give, even when there's no guarantee of a return coming back. But he, Jesus clarifies it in that Luke, Luke 6 verse that if, if we are motivated to give, then the Father is motivated to give back. Good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, spilling out into our lap. And the measure that we give out, it's the measure that comes back again. So our, our, our question needs to be, when we're not getting out of life what it is we wish we could get out of life, or we're not getting out of a marriage what we wish we could get out of a marriage, we're not getting out of a professional pursuit what we wish we could get, and on and on with children, with, with relationships, the, the question doesn't need to be, how can I fix those people who aren't doing me right? question instead needs to be, Lord, will you show me what kind of seeds I need to sow so that there will be coming back to me the harvest that would satisfy and fulfill my own life and my heart? It's the, it's the seed sowing that is going to determine what kind of harvest you and I get. Long-term, in the plan of God, we, here's something else to keep in mind. We don't have any trouble accepting and adjusting to the law of gravity, right? If I drop this tablet, if I just let go of it, which direction is it going to go? Sideways, up, or is it going to go down? Now, you can... You can talk to the law of gravity, and you can say you need to be a little nicer. Gravity, you need to. There need to be some. There need to be some 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 ways that you'll negotiate with us, and the, and gravity is just gonna keep on being gravity. We expect. We expect. I'm going somewhere with this, but it's very important for the people of God, for the followers of Jesus. We live with a, with a working understanding of the law of gravity. As real, as pervasive as the law of gravity is, so is the spiritual law of the harvest. In, 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 instead of trying to figure out another way for there to be a return, for there to be things worked out, in, in, instead of... Expecting that, that we're going to be the one human out of all of human history to get a different treatment from the law of the harvest. It just makes sense for us to accept in the spirit realm, in the kingdom realm, this is how it works. It doesn't mean that the day after you sow a seed of kindness, you're going to wake up the third day and there are these bushels of kind acts coming right back at you. It, it could happen. It might happen. But that's why Jesus was saying, you give kindness and you keep giving kindness. You give mercy and you keep giving mercy. You give integrity and you keep feeding, giving integrity. And Paul will say, if we don't lose heart, God is not mocked, Galatians 6. God is not mocked. Whatever a man or a woman sows, a person sows, that and that only will that person reap. And then he goes on down to say, if we don't give up, if we don't grow weary and quit, we'll reap the harvest of the Lord's intent. We'll reap what the Lord desires to bring our way because we've sown and we've kept sowing and we've kept sowing and we've kept sowing seed that Jesus can bless. Now, I want to talk this morning to, to, and I'm assuming that this is our group. We're not just necessarily trying to check Jesus out and see if he's some kind of an option I might want to consider. We're zeroing in on ones. He, he, there's no plan B. He's your only plan. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You've surrendered your life to him. You want to go the way of Jesus. You want him to rule and lead your life. And so in the light of that, that heart place of conviction, what, what would he have to say to us along this line of the law of the harvest and giving him something to bless? I want to mention to you first of all, first of all, because it comes up first in our list of things. This law of the harvest does have to do with financial things. It has to do with material things. It has to do with possessions. 
Uh, the, the scripture is replete along that line and, and with plenty of examples. But I want you to just let me read you. This is out of Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord. Now watch the, watch the law of the harvest being stated. See if you can find it in these verses. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Here's the seed. Here's the giving to the Lord something to bless. You bless him, you give to him from your wealth, from the first of all your produce. He's not the last one who gets a check if there's no other money left. From the first, off the top, from the first of all your way. And then, he, then that, that's, that's the sowing of the proper seed. But then the promise here, folks, the promise is, and I'm not talking to folks who don't know that this is true. There's so many of you that could stand up and, and, and say or, or put it on your face. I know that the Lord is faithful to honor the seeds financially, materially that I have sown. Because when it made no sense, even when I lost a job, he remained faithful. Some way, somehow, he provided for me and my family when I was fired or lost a job or laid off or, or the, 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 the streams of revenue began to shrink. He promises, so your barns will be filled with plenty, vats will overflow with new wine. That other verse that we, that we read and speak of often, that other passage, is in the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And I want to let you, want you let me read this, read down through these verses with you. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, but we're not going to stop at verse 11. We're going to go on down into verse 16, which is seldom ever read in connection with verses 10 and 11. Here's what it says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Law of the harvest again. The seed is bringing in the whole tithe from what had been the harvest of the people. Bring, bring the whole tithe, and you have permission to test me now in this and see if I will not bring the promised harvest. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you. The things that are, it's eaten up your profit. That's eaten up your possessions. I'll, I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. What you have will last longer. What you, the deals that you haven't made, the vines will not prematurely cast their grapes. I'll see to it. I'll see to it. Here's the part of the harvest. You honor me with the first 10%. I will see to it that the windows of heaven open, that your harvest is plentiful, and or that that which has been destroying, taking from you that which you have earned and made, that that no longer is stealing from you and destroying. The, the people had in Malachi's day had, had wondered why things were drying up why there was a shrinkage, why, why there was economically, financially, why things were so hard for them. And this was the answer, is that you quit sowing. You quit sowing, that first 10% belongs to me. But then he would say, there's, there's a quick fix to this. Things can turn around. I give you permission to test me. You start sowing again and you watch and see if I, will not, if I will not begin to bring the harvest in. All right, so they heard that. They heard that. Some of them did. But enough of them did that verse 16 says, Then those who feared the Lord, who honored the Lord, who honored his word, spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him, for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. And then look what the Lord says. These people had made a choice to correct their course and to begin to do again what the Lord had said, I will bless. I promise you I will bless this. I don't have to change anything about me to bless this when you begin to do it. You give me something financially to bless and I'll bless it. 
And he says in verse 17, And they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. And look at this phrase. Look at this phrase. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. You begin to sow, I will begin to bring the harvest, and there will come to be a clear distinction about you. And it is that you will be marked as a person who has the favor of the Lord all over his or her life. And they, you, will be, you will be looked at as one whom a father has spared because the son has served him and has been loyal to him. Folks, you, you talk about all this beckoning from the Lord. Don't, don't try to live outside the law of the harvest. Live to the benefit of the harvest. Participate. Your part is to sow the seed. Your part is to give to Jesus something he already determines that he wants to bless. And then it is up to him, up to the Lord, to bring in the harvest. Now, I'm saying to you that we use the word the key to plenty. The key to plenty at its core means enough. Enough. Some would define plenty in terms of a house in every state, a car of every color of a you know, of the days in the, in the month, and, and so forth. Stuff, 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 stuff. The Lord knows that too much stuff can ruin a person. To too much stuff can be a false image of whether or not they're living for God or not living for God. But when the, when the Lord says, you test me now in this, if you honor me with the first of that which I've blessed you with, I will cause there to be harvest to come I will cause there to be plenty in your life. Now, the interesting thing here is that this, this, this tithe is, is a percent. It's not an amount. <laughs> and here's, the, here's one of the amazing things that's going on right now in the COVID-19 crisis in our country. There are Christians who are finding that they are prospering during this season. That it's not belly up on the side of the road. I don't know what we're gonna what we're gonna do. They have they have determined, Lord, you said to test me, test you in this, and that's my heart. I'm believing, according to your word, that no matter what the other economic conditions may be around me, that if I will honor you in this way, you will treat me as a son who has unselfishly and loyally honored my father. You will take care of me. Folks, he doesn't have to just do it through the job you've always had. He, he can multiply and, and make it last longer what your pay has been and what you've been able to provide yourself for, with, with yourself for. But, but he can also do other stuff. He can also bring other streams of revenue in. He, he can cause somebody that you may not even know or realize that they know that much about you put something in their heart to help you out. I'm telling you, there's some folks saying, I don't want this COVID thing to get over with because there's so much blessing going on in the middle of it, even materially, even financially. And I'm not talking about some name it, claim it thing and some trinket deal. I've got to have this string of trinkets on my bracelet to know that God loves me. I'm talking about that, that you are determined and many, so many of you listening to this are, I, you know, whether, whether my income is at the level it was two years ago or whether it's down near about to nothing. If I've got a stream of revenue coming in, the first 10% of that belongs to the Lord and, if, if, and, and he, he will take care of me. I know what it is. The reason I get so big about this is I know what it is to get drop, drop kicked through the goalpost of life from a church position and a past, just being thrown out with two baby daughters and, and, and a wife, and, and what are we going to do? And, and it was because, you know, the preaching on revival and so forth was just a little too hot to handle for some of the folks, and so we, we fired, 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 fired. But <laughs> listen, 
there wasn't, there wasn't one sleepless instant in my heart that somehow God was going to take care of us and feed those babies and get us a, a place to be because we had stood on this promise that the first of that which you give to us, Lord, belongs to you. Even when you get kicked to the goalpost of life, if you've been honoring the Lord in this way, he will take care of you. He's pledged it. He said, test me now in this. So as long as there is a stream of revenue, the first of that, and as much of that as he puts his finger on to give back to him and to his causes, you do it. You do it. And you step out in that place of solid faith Lord, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm seeking to honor you in my life and my baby's lives and my bills are in your hand. And I'm going to tell you, his hands are big enough to hold you and all the situations and all the weight and all the needs that you may face. All right? So keep giving Jesus financially stuff to bless in your life. Do not be surprised where there is a diminishing of the harvest and you check it and you realize that there's been a diminishing, if not an annihilation, of the seed sowing. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Friend, 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 friend. You can't afford not to. The wisest investment in times of crisis are the times of continuing to honor the Lord with the first of that which he blesses you with. Even the sum to the sum total may have shrunk. You keep honoring him. You keep testing him in that way. And you watch what he will do. It may not be through a conventional means. It, it, it may be manna like, like the children of Israel fed off of for all those 40 years. And the Lord said through Moses, I fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. But you didn't miss a meal. You didn't miss a drink of water because my hand was covering you and my heart was in you. Oh, listen, folks. There is such an incredible adventure in following the Lord when we are called to step out of the places that have been so comfortable and predictable and, and, and are easy to, to comprehend with our finite minds into the place where the Lord is just saying. And he's saying to some folks right now who are hearing this, the problem with your harvest is your seed sowing. The reason there's not more coming in is because there hadn't been seed being planted. It can be corrected, and that was what that Malachi 3 is so wonderful. Has, it's an, it, it, he speaks of an immediate turnaround. You begin to sow, and the process of the harvest begins to kick in. Okay, we've got to move on from somewhere else to somewhere else, but I wanted to... I want us to spend a little time like right there. That I mean, it's only about honoring the Lord of the first, first of what He's given us when, when we've got, when everything's, everything makes sense to do it that way. I'm telling you, the time that it makes the most sense to do it that way is when it doesn't make sense to do it that way. But it's the Lord's promise that you stand on and His goodness and His kindness and His mercy. All right. So give Him something financial to bless. Second, give him a stand to bless. S-T-A-N-D. Give him a stand to bless. Do you remember that verse in the book of Ezekiel? It says this. This is Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And I searched for a man, the Lord speaking. I searched for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Thus I have pointed out my indignation on them. I have I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their way I have brought Upon their heads, declares the Lord. I didn't want to consume them. I didn't want the fire of my wrath to be poured out upon them. But the continual 
expression of their ways going against me and defiling my name and and, and bringing in the foreign idols and so forth. As a result of their ways, I've I've brought the wrath upon them. But before that, he said, I was looking for somebody, somebody in the land who would position himself or herself in the breach, in the moral breach, in the national character, and stand in that place and cry out to me for repentance upon them. Cry out to me for mercy. Cry out to me for intervention. Somebody to stand in the gap for me, the Lord's saying. Somebody to stand in the gap for me. But I found nobody. I'm talking to some folks this morning who are standing in a gap. The Lord has positioned you in a family line. He's positioned you in a marriage. He's positioned you in a family with children. He's positioned you in a company. He's positioned you in a neighborhood. He's positioned you with a circle of relationships and friendships. He's positioned you in this nation. And he's calling upon your life His assignment upon your life at this point in time is to stand in the gap for him. Gap meaning the wall has been broken down. The the, the wall of of, of doing right, the wall of, of the protection that comes from serving the Lord and seeking the Lord and trying to honor the Lord, that's been broken down. Something has happened in your heart. And the voice of the Spirit of Jesus working inside you, filling you with, his, with, with what he would, he, is, he would say is right and, and, and what needs to be done. With his Spirit giving you power, you are standing in a gap for a whole family line. You're standing in a gap for a marriage. You're standing in a gap for children. You're standing in a gap for relationships. Maybe some have even specifically feel that you've been called to stand in the gap for the United States of America. Lord, if there's no one else out there willing to do it, I'll stand there. I'll stand there. I'll stand there. I want to say to you, you can give Jesus your stand to bless, and he will bless it. But if there is no one standing for the family line, If there's no one standing for the marriage, no one standing for the children, no one standing. He's speaking of our our day and our situation like he spoke in Ezekiel's day. I look for somebody to stand in the gap, but I found nobody. He finds one with a heart in agreement with him, and he can turn heaven and earth and bust hell wide open to bring in what he desires in his timing and his way. Give him a stand. Give him your stand. Give him your stand to bless. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, spilling over into your lap. What if that has to do with the results of the stand for his sake, for his honor, for his glory that you would give him? And his desire is to honor your stand in time with the bounty of heaven and the blessing of freedom and the joy of restoration, and the intimacy of the kind of fellowship that only he can give between people. Paul puts it this way. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Our struggle ultimately is not against humans, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, to stand firm. 
The word stand firm means to be positioned in a stationary location in a sense. It, it means to remain, but it also means to agree, to agree. This isn't about physical location. This isn't about physical standing nearly as much as it is where your spirit is standing in agreement with the Spirit of God. I'm here positioned in this relationship, in this situation, in this setting that I have found myself in. And the extent of it can be hostile to the things of God, can be hostile even towards you as a person, but the hostility around you hasn't broken you. It hasn't caused you to give up and that there is no God. I can't trust in him. Where is he? If anything, the opposition has confirmed to you that you are not crazy, that you are on track, and that you are in agreement with his heart. Folks, listen, you may have been divorced. You may have been fired. You may have been talked about. You, all those kind of things that have come against you could have happened. But here's the real core of who you really are. It's what, after all that you've been through, you still believe is true. That no matter what the enemy has tried to do to knock certain things out of your spirit and out of your convictions, it hasn't worked. It hasn't shaken you. There are places where it's sad. There are places that you wish things could have been different but down in the core of who you are, you are still in agreement with what God wants in the situation where you stand. I'm telling you, folks, listen. Every day you live, every time you move into situations like that where you are, you're, you're being, you know you're being tried, every eye's on your attitudes or what they are, but you're standing there, you're moving through those situations in agreement, quietly, silently, many times, with the Lord, what you're doing is you're there as you walk through that section, that part of your life, which may be all-consuming at certain times, but you're giving Jesus something to bless. You're giving Jesus something to bless. That not everyone has turned their backs on Jesus and in on the ways of God in the setting. You, If you're the only one, Folks, I know sometimes I just, I just need people to encourage me. Well, yes, we do. That helps. But there are times when the Lord is jealous over us in a very good sense. And he wants us to become convinced that if we don't have anybody giving us an attaboy, if we don't have anybody saying, good job, you're not crazy. But all we hear is that still, small voice, but powerful voice of his spirit to our spirit saying, I got you. I'm here. You're right where you need to be. You hold steady. I've got this. Where he's speaking words of encouragement directly to you by his spirit. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Sometimes he has to let us get in a place that, that's, that, that's, that is, is vacant of, of other human voices that we wish we could hear and, 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 and we would love to hear, but we're not hearing them. And the circumstances around us hasn't changed. And their flesh would say, what am I doing? I must be crazy. But in your spirit, you're good. <laughs> in your spirit, you're bolder than ever. In your spirit, you're more convinced than you ever were that the stand you're taking is the right taking, right taking, stand to take. Now, that's not to justify mean-spiritedness and, and condemnation of folks. If we're going to speak the truth, we're supposed to speak the truth in love. Sometimes, even as members of the people of God, we, we get this attitude that truth is more important than love. That I got to stand for the truth. I got to, no matter what happens, I got to speak. The instruction is not to jettison either one, but you speak the truth when you speak the truth in love. You speak it because you love them. You speak it because you love God. They may not receive it, they may not want to hear it, they may be mad at you for saying it, 
But you're not answering to them. You're answering to him. And when he opens up your heart and he looks in and he sees, yes, Lord, I'm wanting to speak what is your truth to them when you give me the assignment and the time and the appointed hour to speak it. But, Lord, I'm asking you to put in my heart your love for them so that when I speak, I'll be speaking with your heart of mercy and hope and desire for compassion and desire for change and desire for repentance Desire for restitution and restoration. But you're giving him something to bless when you're taking a stand that he's called you to stand in and stand for. All right? So give him your finances to bless. Give him a stand to bless. But here is one. Give him risk. To bless. R-I-S-K. Give him risk to bless. You see, it's important that from time to time we, we, let, the, we let the reading of the Gospels reframe our picture of and our understanding of the real Jesus. He's not known primarily for how well-behaved he was. Not saying that he sinned, he just would repeatedly broach the moral, customary things that were polite in his day. He, the, the, the Pharisees and the, the religious police had their complete set of rules. And Jesus would confront them by saying, you don't even do the things you're telling the people to do. He, he would go into a house, into a Pharisee's house, and they were supposed to be having supper, and so then he would, he would do that. He would spend those times, but, but then he, he, would, he would call them out. He would call them out. He, he loved broken people, and he, and he laid his hands on lepers, and he, he, he cared about babies and, 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 and he powerfully healed so many. But, but Jesus, Jesus could be very rude. I didn't hear an amen one. <laughs> Depending on which side of the issue you would be. He says to, to the Pharisee, when, when the woman came in and anointed his feet with oil, and they were all questioning her. And he turns to the Pharisee and he said, you didn't even give me a bowl to wash my feet in, which was customary in the day. You didn't even do that for me. You, you, you didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but this woman who has come in has not stopped wetting my feet with her kisses and she's taken this valuable oil and she's anointed me. As if to say, you're all fluff, big boy. You're all puff and no substance. So we, we, we need to leave the, leave the door open for the real Jesus to blow our hats in the creek sometime with how he responds and how he... So listen to this. This is one of those cases. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Verse 14. Jesus is speaking. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. What is it? The kingdom of God. The, the, the ways that the kingdom works. The things of priority within the kingdom of heaven of which Jesus came to represent and to express. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. In other words, slaves can be translated servants. It is someone, some person, male or female, who is under the authority of someone with greater power, greater influence, that, that working for an employee, an employee, a servant. To about a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves, trusted his possessions to him. Verse 15. And to one, to one of the servants, he gave five talents. Now, that's not talking about the ability to sing, the ability to paint, the ability to, you know, to speak. The talent, a talent was a measure of currency. 
it was generally determined to be worth about $1,000 in silver. But the purchasing amount could be greater than that. So let's just throw in $1,000. He gave, he gave $5,000 to one. To another, he gave 2000 And then to another, 1000 Each according to his own ability. Now, Jesus is making this story up, all right? Jesus is making this story up to teach something, to prove a point, to, to, to make sure that, that we're, we're getting the truth, this, this part of the truth about the kingdom of God, meaning this is what pleases the king. Can't have a kingdom without a king. So as the king looks in on his kingdom, this is what he approves of. 5,000, 2,000, 1,000. Verse 16, look at this now. Immediately the one who had received the five talents, the 5,000, went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents, 2,000, gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away dug in the ground, hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves, now remember, keep in mind, Jesus is making the story up. Jesus is telling the story. He's going to create the plot. He has created the plot. He has already determined the outcome. And he's making clear, trying to make clear what we understand are the important aspects of the story. 5,000, 2,000, 1,000. The servants had an option as to what they were going to do with that amount, with that money. Two invested it. One dug a hole and buried it. And now here comes the master of those slaves or servants, to settle accounts with them. Verse 20, and the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted 5,000 to me. See, I have gained five more thousand for a total of 10,000. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one also who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted to me 2,000. See, I have gained two more thousand for a total of four. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent, the 1,000, came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground and see you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent, the thousand from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. Great Scott, great Scott, you would think in the way that we have defined Jesus and the way he would want our lives to operate, you would think that he would rebuke the first two and applaud number three because number three hadn't risked anything. He took what he got, went to his backyard, dug a hole in the ground, pitched the silver in there, covered it up, and waited for the master to get back. But in 
the mind of Jesus. Folks, I'm going with this. You give Jesus a risk to bless. You give Jesus a risk to bless. When the Spirit of the Lord stirs something inside you, this is, this is business. This wasn't church. He wasn't using rabbis or the disciples of rabbis. He wasn't telling temple stories here. This was real life, business, commerce. And he is saying, in effect, the ones that were entrusted with the given amounts, they went and traded. That, that's the English translation. They went and traded. Well, you ever traded something and you were absolutely sure you were going to get the bigger and better into that deal? Huh? Now, I know something. Well, I, I know I wouldn't get in if I didn't know if I'm going to do it. Well, that, that's not true for most of us. There was a risk. And he was doing it not with his own money, both of these two servants. They weren't doing it with their money. They were doing it with their master's money. And they were doing what they thought was right. They were doing what they thought would bring benefit to the master in the end. It worked out that way in Jesus' story. But they were the ones that were applauded. They were the ones that were approved. They were the ones to whom it was said that the master spoke, well done, my good and faithful servant. He called the ones who risked the master's money faithful. And he called the one who didn't risk squat lazy and wicked. I'm just saying we need to let that Jesus in. There are some of you listening today, and God, by his spirit, has put a dream in your heart. He's put something that it would be incredibly risky, and you've trusted it. You've tried it. Lord, is this really from you? Some way or another, you keep coming back to the fact this is bigger than me. This is impossible. This is inhuman. I can never do this on my own. But it doesn't go away. Who is to say that the Lord, by his spirit, can't dream great dreams in you? Can't... can't Put in your heart to try something, to attempt something. The story could have been the 5,000 guy lost all 5,000. The 2,000 lost all 2,000. He could have told the story that way, but he didn't tell it that way because he wants to encourage risk. He wants to encourage us to step out of what's familiar, what makes sense, what's comfortable, what might be easily approved in other settings, and to be willing to do something and attempt something great for him. Uh, you know, you may be married to a risk taker, and you may be, you know, he, he, he or she is number one, and then you, you are, are number three on this list. It just makes more sense to dig a hole and bury it and make sure you got it when you go back to find it. The Lord in, encourages, uh, encourages us to be careful and so forth. But the example of this parable, any way you cut it, is that when the Lord puts in us something to attempt, that we don't have the guarantee it's going to work out. But there is the sense in our hearts we're wanting to do it for his benefit, for his glory, for his good. They wanted these, the, the master to be blessed by what they were doing that instead of God holding his, putting his head in his hands when our situation comes up and going, oh, great, what are they doing now? What are they doing now? There is the sense of eyes wide open and looking with blessing down upon the attempt. That's a risk. That's a risk. That's a risk. I don't know who I'm speaking to. I don't know who this goes out to. You keep giving God that risk to bless. You, you, keep, you keep risking as long as he gives you the ability to keep risking, knowing that if it falls flat, at least your heart was in the right place. But it may very well be that he's putting that dare in you, that dream in you, because nobody else would open up enough to take it. And that's why you're special in his eyes. And that's somebody said, well, this is all spiritual stuff. It is spiritual, but Jesus gave a commercial example. 
I'm just saying to businessmen, businesswomen, professional folks, the Lord can give you specific insight into what to invest in, what to pull your money out of, what piece of property may work, what, and on and on and on. Instead of just locking Jesus up in the church and locking Jesus up in the Bible, he will not stay in these places where we try to fix him. He is where you are. He'll talk to you where you are. He can put dreams in your heart. He can put fearlessness in your heart. And he can correct you if you need to be corrected. So you give him a bless. You give him a, you, you, you give him a risk to bless. I'm going to finish with this. One more thing. We could list several, but one more thing. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation, unto freedom, unto deliverance, unto rescue. All the things tied into that amazing word translated into English, salvation. For it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Could I ask you, who are you burdened about? What, what heart, what heart are you concerned about? Among the people you love and care about and know. And the concern can be, I don't know where they are with the Lord. I don't know what would happen to them if today was their day to die. Would, would, they, would they go to be with the Lord in heaven or, or have they ever received him as Savior and Lord? The burden for people for children, for spouses, for old friends and new acquaintances and, and on and on and on we could go, that they can be as if certain ones seem to carry a bigger part of our hearts than, than others. Here is a question I want to ask you. Have you spoken to them the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the gospel? Paul identifies it in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, this is the gospel in which we stand, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day, meaning that because he is alive, he can come and live inside a person's chest. They can come and take up a dwelling in a human life, in a human soul, and do the change, the rescue from the inside out. Give Jesus a seed of the gospel to bless. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that you haven't tried to do nice things for them, that they tried to encourage them and so forth. But I'm specifically asking this question that Paul identifies as the power of God that results in rescue, deliverance, salvation, forgiveness. Have you spoken the name of Jesus and what he did on the cross? Because the word Paul will say, other folks disagree. Other folks try to silence this. Other folks will try to come against me for doing it. But he says, I'm not ashamed. Because the gospel is the power of God. All other things that are spoken are lesser entities. They are not the power of God. But if you want to see the power of God expressed, it's expressed in the message that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day. Some way, somehow, God by his Spirit can take the seed of that truth and blow it up in a heart so that that heart gets set free and changed and made new and born again by the power of the Spirit. So we wait for these changes to come in the lives of people. We hope for these changes to come. But what if they've never heard? They may have gone to church. They may have been around religious or good people. But have they ever heard the seed of the gospel?
Because the gospel, Paul will say, is the power of God. Do you want the power of God released into their hearts? Knowing that if they could change themselves, they'd already have done it. It's only going to be the power of God. But what if they haven't heard that which contains the power of God, which is the expression of the power of God, who Jesus is, what he did. And to be able to say, I'm not perfect, and you know I'm not perfect, but I'm telling you, something has happened to me, something has gone on in me since I received that truth that Jesus died for my sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised according to the third day. I didn't understand all the, that that meant, and, and I didn't know, no, and couldn't answer every question, but as best I could, I embraced that, and I'm telling you, Something has happened in me. Something has happened in me. You sow that seed. Go back over the ones that are on your prayer list, over the ones that you're the most concerned about. Have you ever planted the seed in their lives? And the planting of the seed results in God having something to bless. But until the gospel seed is planted, the ability for that power of God to manifest in a life so greatly diminished. I could ask a number of you to say, okay, so somebody came by and spoke to you about Jesus, told you about Jesus, but your response to their face was, yeah, okay. Blew them off, wrote it off, walked away. So all they had coming back from you was basically rejection or not seeing the importance of what they were trying to say. But what happened from that day when they planted the seed of the power of the gospel in your heart. Days may have passed, weeks may have passed, but look where you are this morning. Not perfect, but forgiven, and you know why? Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, and he was raised again on the third day, and the hope is that he's alive in me, and I can be changed, and I can stay changed, and I can be different and stay different because of his presence inside me. He needs the seed of the gospel sown in lives of people we know and care about in order for there to be something to bless. And you know them. You say, well, I'll let Billy Graham do it. Billy Graham's in heaven. Billy Graham's gone on to glory. You're the one. And it's not that you have to clear your throat and start talking in King, King James English, barely, barely, whether so much as in so much. You, you just out of your heart, when the time is right, and all it has to be is a just need to tell you that it's all about Jesus. It's all, I'm not going to discuss this and argue that, and I'm not going to try to straighten out this kind of thing that I may think you may need to do different. It's just as all about. If there's any change in to come, it's going to be Jesus to do the change in, just as he did the change in, in me and in you when he got to working on us. It wasn't because somebody lectured us, put us in a, in a, in a prison clamp. It was the power of the Spirit working in us to set us free from some stuff. Give Jesus the seed of the gospel planted by you through your words and actions into the hearts of the people you care about. If they've heard it, then we give God time to do what only God can do. But by his grace, you know that he gave you the ability, he used you to plant the seed. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. And he was raised again on the third day. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, Paul said. The ability to believe comes from the Lord. The Spirit has to give that. But he does it as the gospel is spoken into the hearts of life. Okay? Give Jesus something to bless. The finances. A stand. A risk the seed of the gospel. Lord, thank you for our time together today. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence with us. Lord, wherever these truths and this application is to be made in the lives of your people, I just ask you to do it in the ways that only you can do it, that we can't walk away from these truths. We're at 5 o'clock this afternoon. We're still in the presence of the truth that you're wanting to work and bring into reality in our lives. Dear Holy Spirit, please be poured out upon your people. Change us. Strengthen us. Refresh us, Lord. Build us as only you can. In Jesus' strong name, we pray. Amen. 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 If you've never opened your heart up to that Jesus, if that gospel, those three parts of that gospel, you've never fully embraced, you, you don't have to understand all of the aspects that all of those three things mean but you can hear something working and feel something working inside you. I need the power of God working in me. I don't have the power unless he gives me the power to change, to be new, to be different. Right where you are, you, you, can, you can just turn your eyes up toward heaven and say something like this, Lord Jesus Christ, the best I can. I open my heart up, and I invite you to come into my heart. Forgive me. Change me. And just in the name of Jesus, I pray. You pray that from an honest heart, and you see what happens. You give him an invitation, and he'll take you seriously. Faith is a grain of mustard seed, he said. I open my heart, Jesus. Come into my heart. I need your power to change me, to rescue me, to help me. He will. He will. God bless you for being a part of Alamo City Life Streaming today. We're praying for you. Love you. Bless you. Thank you. Amen.